Hello and welcome into another episode of Farm to Fame. We got a good one for you guys today, recapping what happened this past week with those names you might have heard about, maybe not heard about. If you haven't heard about them, you are about to. I am Correct. Kelsey Wingert. We got Peter Moylan with his coffee and his blue baseball. Mm -hmm. And we got Maddie Mass producing for us today. We have a lot of names coming at you guys that we're going to focus on. So the format of today's show, we're going to hit on our focus guys for the week, the guys that really stood out to us, a few guys there. Then we are going to update on big names that we've either told you about or that you've definitely heard about. Then we're going to do our rapid fire shot clock round with some of the other guys who you should hear about who maybe you haven't yet. So how's everybody doing? Peta? Matty I'm Max. good. Very good. Big week of baseball. Big week of uh, watching a lot of baseball. Lots of lots of exciting things happening during the week. So it's been it's been fun. It's get getting back into the swing of of watching a lot of baseball, and I'm enjoying yeah. it. Is there a day game today on Monday as we film this? I don't know. Just the two ten start. So unfortunately, nobody can hit a grand slam while recording this week. Ah, a kill But we can hit a grand slam with our podcast. Peter Moylan. Okay. That's why you pay me the big bucks, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Content like that. <laughs> All right. Kelsey, how are you? Uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty dang good, man. Did you get a new camera or something? Because you look amazing. Thank you, Peter Moylan. I did get a new camera because your video has been so much better than mine. If people are watching us on the YouTubes. And I got a little self-conscious of it. So I bought a new camera. Also gives a better angle. It's sitting up high, shoots down, you know, instead of shooting up at you. Mm. So we got the microphone, we got the camera. We're all set up over here. My basement is not finished, so I'm still in my daughter's classroom. Mm -hmm. Hopefully by next week, I shall mm -hmm. have a very cool background. Do you know how you're going to decorate it? Nope. Okay. I've only got one award, so it's going to be a lot of other people's accomplishments. <laughs> <laughs> so... To start out with our focus guys, this is a guy who I know Peter Moylan is going to be very excited to talk about. There was a lot of talk about him and it was well-deserved on social media this week. And that is Brunt Honeywell yeah. with the Tampa Bay Rays. He made his debut on Sunday, his mm -hmm. MLB debut. He threw two scoreless, two perfect innings at that. Yeah. Um, and Peter, the story of him getting to the big leagues was one of those that you just love and it, it just makes yeah. you cheer for him i mean he was a prospect from the minute he got into the organization but obviously hit some injury, injury troubles was drafted in the second round of the 2014 draft uh his last game was actually in the 2017 AAA national championship game uh which they ended up winning and he got um, the win in that game yeah yeah uh four elbow surgeries and 1300 days to the number since his last outing and he gets called up to the big leagues. But from all the videos that I watched and all the comments that I read, you know, he never won at one point during the whole rehab process. Didn't think he was going to come back. Um, yeah. Guys, Tyler Glasnow said he's one of the more, most confident guys he's ever been around. Um, I thought something really cool that, that happened that I have not seen happen before was the Rays invited the rehab coordinator to watch in the oh. dugout as he made his his debut. So I thought that was something that was really special for those two to share. Cause I know for a fact that the relationship that you build with the guy that brings you back is pretty strong. Um, yeah. And I've had a lot of those guys. So to be able to share that moment with him in the dugout must've been really cool for those two as well. Well, I did see Chris Archer had a great um, quote about him and he said similar to, to something that you just alluded to. He said that there was no way he could have done this without the mentality that he has. He said one of the surgeries and you remain confident. And he said, two surgeries, most people start to waver and anything more than that, a lot of people would have just given up. But he said, but Brent Honeywell, his heart is baseball. Mm. That is a good soundbite, my friends. He said, that's all he wants to do in his life. So there's no way he was going to give up. He was going to go down swinging. I'm glad he fought so hard to get where he's at. Willie Adamas said that he was one of the most exciting pitchers that they have in the organization. Uh, they played together in the minors. But when you were talking about the last time he pitched in 2017, in that game in the national championship, he pitched two and two thirds um, innings out of the bullpen. And they said that back then he was one of the best pitching prospects mm. in baseball. So like that season, that 2017 season, he had 24 starts, two, 12 and eight record, a 364 ERA, 152 Ks to 
31 walks. I just can't imagine being at that point, knowing that you're probably going to get the call. You're, you're pitching in the AAA national championship. It's scary how, how our minds work because I was thinking the exact same thing. You are on the cusp. You finished that season, right? In your head, you're like, okay, I've done everything that I can do at AAA level. Obviously the next step is going to be the big leagues. And then to have it take 1300 days and four elbow surgeries to get there after being on top of the, on top of the world, basically to, to have the, the mental grind to come back. And, and I mean, for me, it was, you know, it was my elbow, it was my shoulder, it was my back. It was always something different. Whereas for him, it was just the one elbow every single time. It just kept breaking on him. And at some point you've got to think when's, when's it enough enough, but kudos to him, man, for just, just yeah. keep on doing what he did. Yeah. So it'll be great to see, see what he's able to do this season. His first K with Stanton. That's pretty mm. cool. Yeah, he just um, went, he ran for the Yankees. Sorry, Matty Mass, but he just ran for the Yankees like they were no one. Just yeah. a little side note here. He was optioned back to AAA or to the alternate, hashtag alternate site after the game to build up. But I think they wanted to come back as a starter. And, and uh, yeah. I'm excited to see what he does this year for the for the Rays who are having some, some injury troubles and are not currently in the trajectory that Rays baseball is used to seeing. How long does it take to build a guy up? Like, I mean... About how long do you think he would need to be down there to come back up as a, especially because the season doesn't start until what, May 6th? And yeah, but he'll be, they'll be playing games, they'll be playing games down there. So he'll be, it'll be uh, not simulated games, but they'll be playing proper games um, and he'll just go on regular five day start, I would imagine. Uh, I'm not sure what he was doing before the outing, whether he was built up to three or four innings, but it's usually, effectively a spring training where you start off with two innings and the next one you go three, the next one you go four, yeah. maybe. And I know they're not going to rush him. So it could be, yeah. it could be a month before we see him again, but he'll, he'll definitely be able to go five, six innings by the next time we see him. Cause he did start Sunday's game, but we you know the Rays, I mean, pitch two innings yeah. to start the game. All righty. This next guy I'm excited to talk about. This is Philip Evans from the pirates. He is a 28 mm. year old journeyman. Um, he only had 30. Yeah, Peter loves that. He only had 39 at bats in 2020, but he hit 359, had one home run, but he got hurt in the fifth game of the season. He and Gregory Polanco ran into each other. And I saw, I saw different stories. I saw one that he broke his jaw. I saw one that he got a concussion and broke his collarbone. I have jaw here. But okay. that's just a couple of articles that I read. It could be, maybe he did them both. It finished the season for him. So it was, yeah, it was something that, yeah. Do you see a guy that wears one of those like face shields now? Yeah. I think that would be the only thing that would get me the confidence to, it wasn't like he was hit by pitch. So I guess that's, that's okay. But yeah, journeyman. I had here that he played 34 games for the Mets in 2017 and 18. Played one season in AAA with the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, got his chance last year with the, with the Pirates and balled out. 15th round draft pick of the 2011 draft. That's crazy. So talk about taking your time to get there. But this is why I keep, I'm going to build, I'm going to say this every single time. This is why I'm frustrated that the draft's going to be 20 rounds because you're not going to see these cool stories. Yeah. They, the Pirates really like him because of his versatility. He beat out Todd Frazier in spring training because of that versatility. But in spring training, he also hit... 362 and this season he's already played four positions so his versatility has proven itself and he pitched an inning and five pitch shutout inning and the really? blowout, yeah and the blowout game versus the reds but he has really stepped in because key brian hayes went down the first week of the season and key brian hayes obviously is all the all the talk in in pirates buck nation now he is on the 10 day IL with a sore wrist, but he is eligible to be activated on Wednesday. They haven't come out and given a timeline on when he might come back, but I do know that they they posted that he was taking some ground balls before some games this week. So hopefully he'll be able to come back Wednesday, but Peter, in a situation like that, you have a guy who has really helped that hole that left when Key Brian Hayes got hurt. But now with the way he's swinging it, you have to find ways to to keep him in the lineup, but I guess the versatility helps in that case. The versatility does help. The issue that I see is that the spot in which the Pirates are at, as far as their rebuilding stage goes, I don't think they're trying to win. So if they were trying to compete for the division and maybe playoffs, then I think they'd find a spot for him. Uh, if he has options, 
then I would imagine that he's probably just going to get sent back down. But you, got, you can't send a guy who's rich baits in all seven games that he's played. Yeah. You kind of have to find a spot for him, especially if, if he's going to be part of your plans for the next few years. Yeah. On Wednesday, Saturday and Sunday of this past week, he had multi-hit games. He hit a home run on Saturday. And going into Monday, the, the day that we're recording this, he's hitting 393. Mm-hmm. So With a 1,200 OPS, by the way. And Matty Mass, is 226 OPS plus good? It's above average. <laughs> What's average? 100? 100, yeah. Good Lord. So we'll see what happens with Philip Evans, but he has um, been really good for the Pirates since Key Brian Hayes went down. Mm-hmm. Next guy, this is another guy Peter is very excited about. I think you guys might be sensing a trend in our focus, guys, um, people that we are very excited about. And that is Matt Peacock with the Diamondbacks. Peter, another 23rd round draft pick. One of those guys that you're bummed about the draft going down in 2017. uh, Made his debut on Tuesday. Three shutout innings on 30 pitches. And? His his first big league hit? Yes. I'm letting you mention it. Because you don't like talking about hitting Correct. Yeah, he hit in the 13th inning of the game, had a bloop single to left field that allowed Kettle Marte to come up and uh, hit double. So mm-hmm. big, big time, big time. But it's the backstory that I want to touch on, Kels. This guy was was playing in college, right? He only got one Division One scholarship offer, went to college. In two seasons, has an 11.29 ERA and just says to his coach. I didn't know that. He says, I just, I've had enough. So he goes to work at his family's sawmill. He's staying in random hotels. He's working his butt off, making pretty good money, as he says in the article. And then one day he's working on a boiler and he can smell his shoes melting. And that's what eventually made him think that he might go back and try baseball again. So he calls his coach and says, hey, can I come back? Coach says, no problem. Ends up being the closer for them. Ends up having a pretty good year. Gets picked up. And next thing you know, look what he's doing. 27-year-old. The kind of story that you love to hear about, the kind mm-hmm. of story that I love to hear about, because it's not unusual. He's and he's so he's so humble. In the article, he talks about how the first time he comes into the bigger league clubhouse, he's got people hanging his clothes up for him, and he's offering to help them put the clothes in the locker. He's got love people that. serving him food, and he's like, "What are you guys doing? You know, I can get my." Own. So he just seems like a very grounded, well brought up, humble kid that's now in the big leagues and just enjoying every minute of it. So I think he just quit for the one year in college, right? In 2015? Yeah. Or did he quit for two years? Okay. No, no, he went. So he, he played two years initially and then was struggling and then said, oh, I've had enough of this, but yeah. And he had arm surgery. He did. In 2015. Yeah. So yeah, he debuted, like we said, three scoreless on Tuesday. And then on Sunday, he pitched two scoreless. So... The first line in the article was Pawpaw and his RV traveling four and a half, 1700 miles from Mobile, Alabama, <laughs> was sitting at Chase Field. So he drove his RV Aww. from, yeah, so it's, it's really cool. Really, really cool. His but he grandpa? Missed, his grandpa. Pawpaw. I love old people. I <laughs> yeah. love old people. Um, Thank you. Is that why we're doing this? Appreciate no, that. I mean like old people, Peter. Oh. Not your old, even though you are old. Um, so Matt Peacock, we like him. Zach McKinstreet for the Dodgers. This is a guy who's playing almost every day for him. Second base, left field, right field. As of Monday, he's hitting 321. And Peter, he also leads the Dodgers with 10 RBI. He also leads in slugging. Are you, Peter Moylan, an RBI or an RBIs guy? Uh, depends on how many you get. If you get multiple, it's RBIs. If you get one, uh, it's an RBI. Right? What are you, Maddie? I'm an, I'm an RBI gal. I say RBI in all circumstances because it's runs batted in. So the plural is on the R. I don't know. What, what are you, Maddie Mess? I'm pretty passionate about this, though. If, if I were to speak it, I would say the same with Peter. Multiple RBIs, I would put an S on the end. But if okay. I type it, I only put, I never put an S on the end if typing. Okay. Well, let the record show I'm an RBI gal. Um, Can I just talk about something real quick? Yes. I'm nervous. So when you think about the Dodgers, okay. you think Betts, you think Bellinger, you think Seager, you think Muncy, you think Taylor, you don't think McKinstry. This is not what they need. They don't need any more help, right? Mm-hmm. They have somehow developed one of the best farm systems while being successful 
like hats off to the Dodgers organization for what yeah. they've been able to do because they just keep bringing these guys up from nowhere and these guys are good. Yeah. Really, really good. He's great. Yeah, and they've needed him just especially in this last week because Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger are both hurt. Um, and like right. you said, he's looked good in the outfield. This is a 33rd rounder that we mentioned in our last episode, 33rd rounder in 2016. But if you go back to Sunday's game versus the Nationals, that was the big pitching matchup between Kershaw and Scherzer. He drove in all three runs of that three to nothing win for the Dodgers. He mm-hmm. had an RBI double off of Scherzer and then a two run home run. Um, off of somebody in the bullpen. I don't remember who it was. So he drove in all three games, leading the team in RBI. RBI. He's looked really good in the outfield. Clayton Kershaw called him a left-handed hitting Kike Hernandez, um, who obviously is not with the Dodgers anymore. But so, yeah, I mean, he's been good. He's hitting, like I said, 321. He had the inside the Parker for his first career home run. Yeah two-run home run on Sunday. So yeah, that is Zach McKinstry for the Dodgers, rookie utility man. Look at the different draft rounds and years and how long it's taken these guys to get to the big leagues. That's that's the thing that I also find fascinating is that no one's a sure bet. It's yeah. not like it's not like all of a sudden you go 1-1 and you're guaranteed to make to the big leagues. It's it's that's there's, there's no there's no exact science to this as much as as all the scouting is leaning towards numbers and, and thinking that you can work out a formula that's going to guarantee someone goes to the big leagues, it still takes work and it still takes luck and it still takes opportunity. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not it's not just, hey, you're definitely going to make it anymore. Yeah. So moving into our updates on bigger names, we'll go a little quicker through this, but one of the guys we want to hit on is Taylor Trammell with the Mariners. He's one of the guys who debuted on opening day. Now, his batting average going into Monday isn't, great it's 185 but starting on tuesday of this past week he was hitting i don't even know how to say this low of a batting average 077 um oh oh seven how would you say that peter that's exactly how you say it it just sounds weird but uh so yeah he was hitting that going on tuesday by monday so less than a week later he's hitting 185 um on sat what yeah on saturday he had his first um big league home run and he also scored the game's go-ahead runs but was starting in the 10th, which I don't agree with. He was starting on second base, um, got to third on a bunt single, and then got home on a sack fly. And then on Sunday, Peter. Yes. Three-run missile off Schumacher. Yeah. <laughs> it was onto the concourse in the target field, which is not a huh? not a short, yeah, not a short porch. Absolutely smashed it. So I feel like another one of these guys that a couple of weeks in the big leagues kind of get started a little bit more comfortable. Their, their stroke starts to feel a little bit better and all of a sudden they're going to go off. Chipper Jones' favorite player too. Yeah, Chipper Jones, uh, we said in that last episode, he went and scouted him um, because Trammell is a, is a Georgia guy. But, you know, the, the Mariners have their two top outfield prospects that are so heavily talked about. Kalenic, I think is how you say it, Jared Kalenic and Julio Rodriguez. He was the guy that the former president was talking about on that zoom call when they were talking about manipulating yeah. service time and that's who they were that's who they were talking about so well those yeah, were the two guys that we heard about as as the outfield prospects i mean they're both in the top 10 of mlb pipelines mlb's top prospects not just the mariners um mm-hmm. but taylor trammell has had a good season for them he's been a little spark plug for them and he seems to the team seems to really like him dylan carlson for the cardinals Another one who's found his power stroke. Yeah, and same situation with him. So on April 5th, he was batting 091. By Monday, he was hitting 207. So both of these guys really raised their batting average over the last week. Um, And he did have the grand slam on Wednesday. He hit a home run on Tuesday. Thursday, he showed some great defense. Did you happen to see that catch? It was like Jim Edmonds was out there. It it was Mm -hmm. all, all that was missing was a dive, and it would have been Jim Edmonds. Yeah. He's been good for him. They, yeah. He was a switch hitting. He's a switch hitter. I don't know. Is he switch hitting right now this season? Is he still? They'd have to ass- still be utilizing that. I would assume so. I don't think um, that's something that you stop once you get to the big well, leagues. Well, right? some of my some of my notes, uh, they're all coming from different sources at different times. So I don't know when I, what article I got that he was a switch hitter, but I'm assuming that he is still doing that. I just don't I've know. not seen him hit right-handed. Okay. So I've only seen him hit left-handed. This is a Maddie Mass story. Look at him. Look at him go. Well, he's a 2016 first rounder, 60 grade power that he's starting to show now. Um, 
So he's been good for the cards. Seeing that pop come through. And favorite he's one of those... the favorite for the rookie of the year, or one of the favorites yeah. for the rookie of the year. But when you look at the list and you look at the people that are that, that have like that rookie of the year race is going to be insane. Yeah, that's going to be fun. It's going to lead to some yeah. fun episodes for us. Yeah. You know what I mean, Jellybean? Maddie Mass, if you're looking something up, you can just tell us. I'm going to go on to Akio. Oh. Yeah, no, he he's listed as a switch hitter. And like Peter said, I hadn't seen him bat righty, but Google Images, he's batting righty sometimes. Okay. So. Maybe he's just faint a, he's faced a bunch of right-handed pitching this year. Yeah. Akil Badu. Oh, man, what a week. Oh, we love. He had a slower weekend. Um, he went hitless on Friday and Saturday, and he was out of the lineup on Sunday. But... Mm. The rest of the week, Peter. Mm. Well, pretty good way to start your career. You hit a home run on the first pitch you've ever seen, like we touched on last week. While we were filming last week, he hits a grand slam in the middle of our recording. And then the next day, he hits a walk-off. Mm-hmm. I mean, could you have a better three days and you start your big league career ever in the history of ever? Maybe yeah. Jason Haywood, but that's the only one that I can think about. Yeah, and then the um, next day, he had his first career triple. Do you think his but parents you- left or do you think they hung around for the whole week? I, I don't know. I haven't seen any video of his parents, but again, he did have that slower weekend. So I don't know if they would have been showing him, but you mentioned the walk-off on Tuesday. He became the youngest Tigers hitter with the walk-off um, since 1991. Who He's, was the one in 1991? Does it have a list there? Or, Travis or? Ryman. T. Fry. Okay. So, Wasn't he a huge prospect? He was a huge prospect. Tra- Travis Ryman was? Yeah. I think so. I wouldn't remember. That was before I was born. That was five years before I started. (laughs) Uh, I was born in 92. That was 91. So that is past my brain. It's fun to pick on old people, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Peter. Yerman Mercedes. Obviously, that's the guy that people were going absolutely bonkers about the first week. How can you not start his career with eight consecutive hits? Journeyman. Yeah. And I didn't, we might've mentioned this in the last episode, only having one big league AB before this season. And it was a ground out in 2020, but like, mm-hmm. go dude, go off, go off one time, man. Yeah. Going into Monday, <laughs> sitting 536, 536, okay. Um, he has 15 hits going into Monday. That's the most by a Sox player through his first career seven games. And on Sunday, he was walked three times. So like teams are just like, no thanks. And he hit the longest home run in White Sox history since the StatCast era began, which was 485 feet. Bomb. Off of my good friend, Brad Keller. Sorry, Brad. But uh, it was it was a hanging slider that was absolutely demolished. 485. <laughs> with, a, with the balls that are supposed to be not juiced this year. So from pitches that I've spoken to, they're sort of saying that that balls that they think might get out or would have got out in the last couple of years aren't going out. So that's a good thing. You know, the one-handed off the end of the bat swings aren't going out, which they don't deserve to go out. So if it's fairer, I'm all for it. So the other thing about Mercedes, you're mentioning that 485 foot home run that was in uh, the White Sox home opener. So I think that's pretty cool. The fans had heard about this guy going off, but weren't able to see it his first game at home sends one out 485 feet to give them a taste. So good for him. Now time for my favorite player, Jazz Chisholm Jr. with the Marlins. And that's really just because on Saturday, he homered off of Jacob deGrom. On a pitch that he's thrown probably a thousand times in the last two years and hasn't been touched. And he just, he looked like it was effortless. It just looked Mm -hmm. like he put some sort of one-handed power stroke on this thing and hit it 400 feet. It was really impressive. Yeah, Jazz Chisholm is the Drip King Sauce King. But Sarah Langs tweeted about that home run. It was off a 100.4 mile per hour pitch. And that is tied for the fastest pitch a Marlins player has homered on in the pitch tracking era. That's since 2008. And it's the fastest pitch a Mets pitcher has allowed a home run on in that span as well. It's not like it was some rookie coming up that throws 100 in the middle of the plate. This was Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. He threw the he threw it exactly where I wanted he wanted to throw it. It was at the top of the zone, probably not even a strike. And he hit the ball. It was it was a really, really impressive thing. Yeah. So we love that for Josh Chisholm Jr. There rained out or postponed on Sunday. That was did you see Strowman's comments about that? I'm gonna write that down too, because okay. I 
there's nothing worse than you got to understand even if it's raining heavily obviously they call the game off but that annoying spitting rain once it hits the clay and you're trying to land with your spikes it is impossible whenever even in rain out if we get a rain delay and there's a chance for there to be a little bit of water on the mound and you try to go out there and you try and get your footing you're constantly trying to dig the dirt out of your spikes and then it's one pitch later you land in the same dirt and it all picks up the same dirt again so you're literally sliding every time you plant to throw a pitch the fact that they started that game was ridiculous i'm completely with stroman on this one that's the front office of the mets they're trying to get a game in i understand from their point of view i get it but you're risking the player's safety by having them go out there in that kind of weather, especially when you, if you hadn't have started the game, you just had to put a delay in there, then he could have started two hours later. Yeah. Instead, you lose your starter for five days and you don't get to play the game anyway. It's like, what was the point? We yeah. all have radar now. We know what the weather's going to do. Yeah, Stroman was not, was not happy, but understandably. Another guy we hit on last week, Emmanuel Classe with the mm. Indians. This dude throws heat. <laughs> he picked up his first save on friday scoreless inning 11 of the 14 pitches were over 100 miles per hour got another save on sunday scoreless inning peter i mean he's just what like <laughs> so he came into the year wanting to be the closer they've got a couple of guys that, that fall into that category as well but i just think what he's done he's only given up one hit in four innings his cutter it's not even a fastball. His cutter is averaging over 100 miles an hour and he's getting an 80% whiff rate on his slider. So it's not just, hey, I'm going to come out there with one pitch. He can throw other pitches as well. Guys talked about him filling up the strike zone now, which is obviously a good thing. So they said that he might be throwing too many strikes because guys are just mm -hmm. gearing up and getting ready. So, I mean, it's it's everything's trending in the right direction for him. And and it's, it's, it's scary to watch that there's stuff out there like that. You know, Kenley Jansen was a guy that I would always look at and go, that's impossible for him to do what he does. And he would throw at 93 to 95 with that amount of cut. Now we've got a yeah. guy doing it at hundred miles an hour. No, it's, when's, when's it going to stop? I just, if we're looking at this as a, like an Olympic swimming meet, then you got to think that the records are just going to continue to, to, to tumble and tumble and tumble. It's, it's just how hard is hard enough and when's it going to stop? And, and the fact that hitters can even like, Hitters can make an adjustment on a hundred mile an hour fastball, but now they're seeing balls that are a hundred miles an hour with cut. And it's just, hitting is so hard. It is the most impressive thing. As mm -hmm. a guy that's been around the game for so long and used to hit back in the day and thought I was a pretty good hitter. These guys, their timing, their eye, their hand-eye coordination, their ability to put bat on ball. It just, it is, it just what makes our game so impressive. You cannot get, tell me that you get anyone else that plays any other sport to pick up a bat and even try and hit 90 miles an hour. Get a baseball guy on a basketball court. He looks like he can handle himself okay. It's it is the most impressive thing in the world to hit a baseball at 100 miles an hour. I would never be able to do it. I don't think I could even hit a wiffle ball. Um, he's only given up one hit, which speaks to what you're saying. But he's had four scoreless appearances, only given up one hit on the season so far. So Class A is and and a lot of people might not have heard his name because we did mention this in the last episode. But he was suspended in the 2020 season for PEDs. But obviously now I'm assuming he's getting tested a lot because once that happens, it seems like they get tested more. And he is still just just killing it for the Indians so far. So um, good for Emmanuel Class A. Okay, are you ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. Rapid fire round. You know, is that going to be us? I I really hope he records that. And every single time we do this, rapid it goes fire, rapid fire, and sing. Jordan Sheffield, Rockies, talked about him last week. Vandy guy, he debuted with his with his Vandy. I know, same wavelength. Debuted with um with another Vandy guy. They played together. Uh, both debuted on the same day for the Rockies. Recap on him, 36 overall pick by the Dodgers in 2016. Uh, but Peter, he had a really good week. He pitched Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday, all scoreless appearances. So he's kind of solidifying solidifying his way to be an arm for them out of the bullpen. And not yep. to mention the fact that he pitches for the Rockies. I don't know how many of those games have come at Coors Field, but. The more zeros you put up, the more high leverage situations you get to put into it's the it's the hot hand theory and it doesn't mean you know don't you don't have to be a guy that they were thinking about at the start of the year but you keep putting up zeros you're going to get put in those situations so his he's had four appearances this season and two of them have come at Coors Field um the other two were on the road at San Francisco so Jordan Sheffield brother 
pitches for the Mariners. Justice Sheffield, good for you. Pitches today, actually. Yeah, I saw that. Um, okay, moving on to Johan. Again, we are going to pronounce some of these name wrongs. Some of these name wrongs, and I apologize. Oviedo. Oviedo for the Cardinals. Peter, what did he do in his 2021 debut on Sunday? Came out of the bullpen. Okay. Through 4.2 innings. Okay. Shut out baseball. Season debut, saved the bullpen. So not only did he come in out of the bullpen and throw that many innings, but you got to think that that means that three other guys didn't have to get used that day, which mm -hmm. saved them for the rest of the week. So that kind of job from a guy out of the bullpen is just, it's priceless. He would have got a lot of a lot of thank yous from the rest of the guys out in the bullpen because, you know, it's it's the kind of thing that it's, especially blowout games, you don't want to pitch. So yeah. congratulations to him for his wonderful effort. Their starter got rocked in an inning and a third. He gave up seven runs on 52 pitches. So Johan came on in the second inning. And Peter, I'm a big efficiency gal. Uh, oh. So the fact that he only, he threw 65 pitches in four and two thirds. So almost through five, 65 pitches. That's, that's pretty dang good. And of course he throws nasty stuff. It's, I saw one pitch. It was an 86 mile an hour slider that moved about, ooh, moved about a foot and a half. So, you know, there's so much stuff in this league right now. Yeah. He only pitched five games in 2020. That is Johan. Say it. Oviedo. Thank you. This is another name that I'm going to struggle to pronounce. I'm going to say the first name. You're going to say the last. He pitches for the Brewers and his first name slash initials are JP. Fireson. Fireison. Fireison. Debuted last July. He pitched Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday of this last week. All scoreless appearances mm -hmm. six innings so far six games so far one hit six k's uh again putting up zeros and getting put in situations that he may not have thought he was going to be at the start of the year but uh a wisconsin native pitching for his home team mm, so that's got to that. feel good you got to have a little bit of a little bit more fire pitching for a team that you grew up watching and grew up wanting to see win so um i, I love hearing stories like that yeah, love that for him. He pitched in six games last year in 2020 to a 5.79 ERA. So not great, but in six appearances um, this season, like Peter said, he's pitched to a zero ERA. Did not know that he was uh, from Wisconsin. That's cool. It says he was drafted by the Indians in 2014, uh, made his way over to the Brewers. So good for JP. Trevor Rogers for the Marlins. This is a guy, if you listen to Talking Baseball, to their guys that they thought were going to come up and uh, have breakout seasons. Trevor Rogers was one that they talked about a lot for the Marlins. He started the game on Saturday for the fish, for the fishies. Abdul Jacob deGrom. Mm, I did not realize that it was against Jacob deGrom. Yeah. Okay. So... Um, that was the one nothing game. I think it was a one nothing game, right? Jazz Chisholm hit the home run. That was anyone that scored. It says it was three nothing. Okay, there you go. Degrom went eighth, and then the reliever gave up two in the ninth. <laughs> he was he got in a bit of trouble in the first inning. Was able to pitch out of it, and then just rolled from there. Ten punch outs, fastball up to ninety eight miles an hour. Left handed starter throwing ninety eight. I mean, I'm going to get sick into. I, I guess I should not yeah. be shocked when I start reading out these numbers anymore. But it's just I feel like every every guy I mention throws 98 and has got something other than that that makes him really impressive. But his arms and elbows all over the place. He's just it's got to be a really uncomfortable bat for lefty or righty. Did we say that he pitched? I know the alarm went off. He pitched six shutout with 10 Ks that tied a career high for him. I didn't Obviously say Ks. I did say. Strikeouts. Punchies. Sorry, I was Punchies. looking up the box score. Trevor Rogers, was that his second? Yeah, that was his second start of the year. So his first game, he pitched versus St. Louis. Didn't look as good. Four innings, two earned runs. But came out versus a pretty good Mets lineup and uh, pitched six shutty versus Jacob deGrom. Uh, and a timeout before we move on to our next guy about Jacob deGrom, I know that this storyline is like so overdone and the stats are all talked about, but Ryan Spader tweeted this out that Jacob deGrom has made 78 starts over his last four seasons. Okay. He has 25 wins out of those 78 starts in which he's pitched to a 111 ERA and the 20 games he's lost, he's pitched to a 380 ERA, which is still respectable for sure. And he has 33 no decision decisions in which he has he pitched to a 176 ERA. So in the 78 games Jacob Degrom has started, New York is 36 and 42 in those games. And you think about him and Mike Trout, two of the best players 
and baseball. And it's like their peak years are yeah. wasted. <sighs> wasted. The fact that he can just consistently goes out there and basically pitches at will, does whatever he wants and yeah. continues to throw up zeros, despite the fact that he doesn't get a lot of run support and hasn't got a lot of wins. I think it's just, it just speaks to the kind of person that he is. And he's someone, when you hear about guys around the league talk about him, he is just so respected. And even his, his post-game comments in those games, he's obviously asked a ton about how frustrating it is um, when he's not receiving any run support. And he just shows no frustration in his teammates at all. Mm -hmm. He just sits there and he's like, they're giving it all they got. And this is a team effort. Do you remember the year Shelby Miller had with the Braves where he was like, he went like 0-16 or something with mm -hmm. a two ERA? Yeah. Well, witnessing that for one year was bad enough. Having to do that for your whole career, no thanks. Yeah, I don't really buy in. I know we talked about this before. I don't really buy into the wins and losses for a pitcher. It's because Jacob deGrom is the prime example of that. Um, anyway, moving on to our next guy staying in the NL East. Peter, I'm going to let you take this one. Oscar Enoa, he's my guy. I had a start last week through five innings. Was amazing. This guy has done... Everything that the Braves have asked him to do from the minute he got the organization, he was huge for them in the playoffs last year. Starts again today. I'm not sure what his role will be when Soroka comes back, um, but I've been impressed with the way that he's been able to jump from starting rotation mm -hmm. to bullpen to starter to jack of all trades. But uh, yeah, I just think that if he ever gets to the point where he can he can sit in one spot and get comfortable, I think the sky is the limit for this guy. He's got great stuff, great poise. And again, having that experience coming down the stretch and going to the playoffs last year and being able to pitch in those high leverage situations, I think has helped him out a bunch. Soroka had another setback, didn't he? Something with he the just shoulder? Had, he had a shoulder setback. He uh, had a, a shoulder twinge or inflammation, I think they're calling it. I think it could be a blessing in disguise. Uh, give him another couple of weeks to, to build up and uh, not so much rush back because the last thing that the Braves want is to have him for May and June, July, and then not have him in August, September, and October. Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to move on to the AL, and we are going to start, I love this name, Franchi Cordero. Franchi? Franchi Cordero with the Red Sox. I don't, I'm so sorry. I don't know why, I don't know why it took that kind of turn. <laughs> So he didn't have an insane, an insane week, but he did get hits in like every single game, including Saturday when he pinch hit in the ninth and mm -hmm. he, and he singled. That's a name that you heard a ton coming into this season. They are expecting some pop out of him. So I'd like to see him get a little couple of lift and separates going. Well, going into today, going into Monday, he's hitting 333 for the Red Sox. He has 21 ABs on the season so far. He's made all of his starts in left field. So. Matty Mouse, right. how did he get to the Red Sox? Did he go this year or last year? So he was acquired in the three-team trade that included Andrew Benatendi to the Royals. This offseason? Yeah, this offseason. Uh, Boston received a package, which included Cordero. So 17, 18, 19, he was with the Padres. 20, he was with the Royals. 2021,20, he's with the Red Sox. He debuted in 2017, and he's from the Dominican Republic. Pretty sure he took me deep. Ooh. Uh-oh. Maddie Mass. I can look. Okay. Josh Palencios for the Blue Jays made his debut on Friday. He was the Jays' fourth round pick in 2016. But Saturday, Peter, mm. Saturday, Four after his debut on Friday, he sure did that. Uh-huh. That boy done went four for four with one RBI, drew a walk reached safely in five times so we just wanted to shout him out because that was a good game if you can say franchi then franchi. i'm gonna start saying his name is josh palacious palacious because palacious i like that word is that a um, word it's a um, word right it means like it opulent worse. it's opulent right what was the word you made up last episode strategizing strat yeah. strategizing strategizing yes mm -hmm. And Very this wasn't a made up word, but it was a made up um, saying that now exists in all of our vocabularies. And that is panic poo. Um, Hashtag so, panic poo. Uh, are we still looking up Franchi, Maddie Mass? Yeah, I don't, I don't see a home run against you. Okay, good. I can keep looking. No, it's fine. There wasn't that, there wasn't that <laughs> many, Maddie. Trust me. 
Okay. Next name. We have two really solid baseball names coming up. First one is Ty Tice. Let that sink in. Ty Tice. Love it. Friday, he made his MLB debut. He pitched two shutty innings, um, but he retired Trout and Otani. That's pretty neat in your big league debut. Hey, here's the best player in the universe and one of the most talented players in the universe in Shohei Otani. Retired both of them. Mm. Two shutout innings, one walk. Um, Only one hit, though. Good for Ty Tice. I mean, it's it's very cool to be able to say that you got the best player in the world out in your first ever inning in Major League Baseball. So, yeah. I got Ryan Howard out my first ever inning, and he was the MVP that year. Love that for you. I love bringing stories back to me. Good. We should just rename this the Pete Moylan story. <laughs> um, Ty Tice was a 2017 16th round draft pick for the Blue Jays out of Central Arkansas. So, yeah, had his MLB debut on Friday. Next is, an, is another good name, mostly because um, I love this in everything I eat. And it, it, his name is Kyle Garlic. Love garlic. Put garlic powder on everything. Do y'all not? Uh. Okay. Nope. Maybe y'all don't cook enough, or maybe y'all maybe y'all need to Excuse get some garlic me? powder. Maybe you need to get some minced garlic. I don't know. You know, um, I was gonna say there's there's other forms of garlic, not just powder. I use a lot of garlic in regular cooking. I just don't use the chopped up sand version of it. I don't know. Do you get do you get organic. the little do you get the bulbs and like break them? Yeah. I don't know how to do that. I well, forget you that you're like more. a good. Yeah, I forget that you're like a good cook, Maddie Mass. Do you know Peter like owns a restaurant or a coffee shop or something? Really, it's not a Amsterdam coffee shop, but it's a cafe in Melbourne that we do breakfast, lunch, and coffees. The food looks so good. I remember looking at pictures on the Instagram page. Ad. It is magnificent. We'll do a live episode from there. Ooh, that's fun! Live Thank episode you. from the cafe in Australia. I love it. Peter, just let us know whenever you book our flights. Um, well, <laughs> you got it. Check your I like, emails. I like Delta. I don't know if Delta flies to Australia or not. Anyway, <laughs> Kyle Garlic going yeah. into Monday is hitting 375. He's had a really hot start to the season. Yeah. Wednesday, he had a multi-hit game. Thursday, he had a multi-hit game. He's getting to play a little bit because Jake Cave, their regular left fielder, has been struggling at the plate. So. Um, he may, he may force their hand to get a little bit more playing time. You know, a little bit of friendly competition never hurt anyone. So I think it'll be good for the Twins in the long run. Debuted in 2019. He was drafted by the Dodgers in the 28th round. He only had 22 ABs in 2020 and hit 136. But in 16 ABs, he's almost passing his AB total in 2020 to 2021. He's hitting 375, like I said. So we love Kyle Garlic, love his last name. We love garlic. We love minced garlic. We love powdered garlic. We love the bulbs that Peter crushes. We do not discriminate against garlic, garlic cotton. So next guy. We got more guys? Well, this is my guy. This is this. Well, there are two LSU guys who did notable things this week one was riley smith made his first big league start for the diamondbacks he's come out of the bullpen uh last season a little bit this season the other lsu tiger who played this week is alex lang he came out of the bullpen on saturday had a one two three inning according to baseball reference he became the 48th lsu product to pitch in MLB, not the MLB. Love the Tigers. He wasn't in the Tigers prospect ranking until Scooball graduated from it last weekend. The game that Lang pitched in, Scooball didn't do very well. So yeah, Alex Lang, Riley Smith, LSU Tigers, good for y'all. The last guy on our list that Peter wants to talk about is Michael Kopech with the mm. Chicago White Sox. Yeah, uh, just another dominant outing for him. So far this year, six innings, 6.1 innings, 11 punch outs. Um, so he's certainly living up to the reputation that he had prior to this season. I'm just glad to see him back out there healthy and dominating. He's going to be in, end up being a big, a big part of that bullpen, I would imagine. Those are all of the young guys who we've talked about that we wanted to update you on, young guys that we haven't talked about that we wanted you to learn the name, people who have stood out to us this week. Peter, major MLB storylines that you want to hit on before we let the people go. 
before we get to the major league stuff, I just want to, Jack Leiter continues his dominance, by the way, another 12 mm. punches during the week, unbelievable. But I do want to touch on the replay debacle of the mm. last week and the frustration from a player's perspective that I feel like he's only going to grow as they keep making these mistakes. We've now had two games in the division that have had a result turned on an umpire's bad call. You may not think that it matters over 162 games, but I've been in seasons where one game and there's every single year, there's a division that's won or lost by one game. So when we're talking about- Especially the NL East this year. Right. When we're talking about trying to get this thing right and we're trying to get it for the good of the game and this, that, and the other, then you got to put a system in place that works. And right now, whatever system they're using, it's not working. Put extra cameras at home plate. Do whatever you have to do to get the call right. I'm not so worried about the other bases, but when we're talking about home plate, we need to have multiple, multiple angles so that you don't get in the situation we got in last night where everyone can clearly see that he'd foot never touched the base, but there's not yeah. clear and concise evidence to overturn it, which is, I think, is the most bullshit rule. But was there and not the clear fact- and concise evidence? Like... I mean, you could see a camera from right behind home plate in between the umpire's legs where his foot seemed to go over the plate. But the other one the other day when he leans in, I mean, you can see that. That should be a reviewable play. That should be something that if you want to get it right, you've got to get it right. Yeah. I think the number one issue with replay right now is that the guys on the other end, they know what the call on the field was and they don't want to make their guys look bad. So they're going to try and do everything they can to try and confirm the call on the field as opposed to just getting it right. If they didn't know one way or the other, whether it was out or safe, before they're looking at it and they make a judgment call based on all the evidence of all the video that they can see, that's the only way this thing gets sorted. It's the only way that they can do it because right now they are protecting each other and I feel like Mm. they're not getting it right and it's causing frustration across the whole league. And you don't even need to be a Braves fan to be frustrated what happened last night. Mike yeah. Trout tweeted about it. Everybody Justin Turner tweeted about it. They all see it. They all see that it's wrong. They all see that it needs to be changed. But MLB just sits on their thumbs and thinks, that no, we're fine. We're just going to continue this way. There yeah. is so much technology out there. They're using Hawkeye for tracking pictures and getting data and all that sort of stuff. But why can't they use Hawkeye for, for borders around the plate? And, and, and there's so much that they yeah. could do to, to get this thing right. And they're just not doing it. And they're just sitting back and just... just the frustration is just, it's just wearing on people. And the other thing that I don't get about how you're saying protecting the umpires, it was it was such a bang, bang play yeah. that it's like, nobody is going to be like, he should have gotten that right. Like that was right. a tough call to make. So it's okay if he called him safe and then the replay came out and showed that he did not even touch home plate and that he's actually out. Nobody would think poorly. You were not having to protect any umpire from anybody judging him for making that initial call because that was a tough call to make. It was so quick and it did, his foot did go over the top of it, but it didn't touch it. So that's what I don't get when it comes to protecting because his reputation, his credibility wouldn't have been damaged had a call like that been overturned. No, I'm gonna go to cricket, right? So in cricket, there is a mm-hmm. there is a an out called LBW. It's called leg before wicket. And if the okay. ball hits your leg and it would have hit the stumps, then you could be called out. But instead of making these calls, the umpires, as soon as something like that happens, the umpire can go, I need to go to the third umpire. So they do this signal. They don't make a call. They say, I didn't see it properly or I'm not confident enough to know what the call was. I want to go to the third umpire and I want to find out exactly what it was so I can get it 100% right. It's not something you want to do on every play, obviously, but if it's going to determine a winner or loss for a team, it has to be, you have to get it right. There's no if, buts, or maybes. You have to get it right because this could be the difference between playoffs and not playoffs. And playoffs is a lot of money for teams. Mm -hmm. And that was the point that a lot of people made um, after the Sunday night game with the Braves and the Phillies is like, what's the point of replay? What's the point of having it for things that are that obvious um, if it's not going to be right? And then after the, the Mets and Marlins game with the hit by pitch, the umpire, the pool, the, he did that interview after, came out and literally said, yeah, that was incorrect. I should have called that. And right. then still nothing happened. So right. tough week for uh, MLB replay. And, and this is not the guys that are on the field. This is not, this is not their fault because they yeah. literally get on those headphones and they say it's either out or safe. And they've just got to walk off and go out or safe. They've, they've, there's no reason why. 
There's no yeah. explanation. There's no, this is what we saw. It's just the umpires go over, they can say, okay, boom, and then they just make a decision. So there's Snip went out there and sort of argued the point, but there's no point arguing with them because it's not their call. They're just there's sort nothing, of sitting there yeah. again on their hands, like shrugging their shoulders. I'm sorry, Snip, but there's nothing. Everybody watching it at the field, because we got crowds there now, on the gigantic scoreboard can see that they didn't touch home plate. Yeah, but the game was paused because of people throwing stuff on the field. Again, and I mean, that's the last thing you want, and it's not their fault, so it's not proving anything, but I just, we have to get it right. It's just, it's yeah. just, there's too much at stake for us not to. I toured the MLB abilities uh, a few years ago. Flex. And yeah, Flex. And they, ooh, hey. Um, and they have, you know, each, ump each umpire, the person in there is like designated a game that they're watching and they have every angle, so many TVs that they're looking at. They have the headphones on. They have every angle. And it just, I don't know. It was very interesting. So uh, we talked about Jacob deGrom. That was another storyline that I wanted to hit on. Talked mm. about wasting he and Mike Trout's uh, peak years. Any other league storylines you wanted to hit on? Musgrove's no hitter. Congratulations, yeah. Joe Musgrove. Hometown boy. Hometown boy. First ever, cool. first ever no hitter in Padres history, which is really, really cool. Yeah. And I always like to look at what the reaction of the other players are when a guy throws a no hitter and to see the joy on everyone's face as they're running on the field. So that just speaks to the kind of guy that Joe must be. I've never met the guy, but he just seems like a super cool dude. And, and from, from all their reactions, that must be true. Very nice guy. Yeah, that was, that was great. He's, Somebody that you are absolutely thrilled for. So, last one. Anna Kuhn is oh, on fire, by the way. Oh my Kuhn. gosh. Kuhn is on fire. He, so. like, can't miss right now. I mean, how many three, four hit games did he have this last week? Jeez well, Louise. Brought up Ryan Spader before. Ryan Spader had a great tweet during the week. Are you trying to look for the tweet that compares the first 320 games to Mantle yes. Mays, Aaron Burns, yes. Griffey Jr., Trout? Yes through their first 320 games. It's comparable. Acuna has more home runs than any of those guys. Correct. The second most stolen bases to third most to Trout and Bonds. Average is right up among there with all of them. Yeah, I mean. Those are the kind of names that we're throwing his name around right now. And I, I wrote that I think that I've sort of underappreciated him mm -hmm. being able to see him play every day. I, I mean, he's just, he's just on a whole nother level right now. Yeah tearing it up this season um really good to see so that'll wrap up today's farm to fame episode we hope you learned something we hope you feel smarter because that is our goal to help you feel a little bit smarter about some of these young guys baseball shut up your friends if you're sitting throwing back some brews with them we enjoyed it peter maddie mass guys, loved it pleasure to see you guys again Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We will be back next week. Our episodes come out on Wednesday mornings. You can watch them on the John Boy Media Baseball YouTube channel. You can also listen to it wherever you may get your podcasts. We really appreciate all y'all's support, man. We it's do. been fun. This has been Thank really you. fun. We appreciate it. Hope you learned something today and hope you enjoy some baseball the rest of the week. Thank you guys for listening and we will see you soon. <laughs>